eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. A wash in the glow of Friday's glorious Dosa Cero win in Cincinnati. The U.S. Men's National Team is back on the road and back to the grind of trying to stamp its ticket to Qatar in 2022. Up next, though, a Jamaica side looking to play catch-up as the second half of the CONCACAF World Cup qualifying campaign gets underway. Yes, it's me, Jimmy Conrad, alongside Heath Pearson. You guys know the drill. K Golasso begins right now. All right, everybody, welcome back. And before we start, though, a little housekeeping, as we do here. If you're watching on YouTube, please hit smash or gently click that like button. Subscribe to the K Golasso channel and then get involved in the comments section. We want to hear from you, of course. And then for those listening to this, in podcast form, we appreciate you. If you like this show, make sure to subscribe to the Kegelasso podcast wherever you get podcasts and take a minute, and I know you have a minute out there, to leave us a glowing rating and review. Life hack, you can do that now while you listen. Yeah, that's pretty awesome. You're welcome, everybody. All right, Heath Pierce, seven games down, seven to go in CONCACAF World Cup qualifying. We're officially at the halfway mark in this campaign, so let's remind ourselves of how things stand in the Ocho before we get into the preview. Guess who's on top? Heath Pierce. Just Estados Unidos. Yeah, I'm going to go with Estados Unidos. Unidos. Yeah, there we go. Unbelievable. We're this is a beautiful thing. Seven games. It's a beautiful wait, thing. Wait, 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 wait. Are you Burhalter out now? I mean, I see. You know what's funny, Jimmy, He's is I, I, didn't, I, didn't, I didn't engage with some of your the haters that were attacking you and I online this last week, right? <laughs> and I know you went into it. No, no, no. And no, I should have no. had call, your back. But I, I, no, I, I live in the shadows. Oh, okay, not haters. Not haters. Constructive, constructive, constructive criticizers. Yeah. Yes, there we Cons- go. Constructive <laughs> criticizers. But there, there has been this theme for a while. And, and I know we're joking about it now because I think Greg Berhalter's uh, job is very safe at the moment. At the moment, but but Greg Berhalter put out a lineup that for the first time I think people are really excited about uh, in the in this last match uh, against Mexico, and and he did it courageously because it was against Mexico, and everybody that I think were the constructive criticizers thought that we would go with the players that are traditionally criticized by the constructive criticizers, right? Paul Ariola, <laughs> Sebastian Legette, uh, like some of the older players, players that 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 aren't particularly. Uh, that many of these people aren't particularly fond of and think that there is this preferential treatment from Greg Berhalter. Greg Berhalter, I thought, put out the best lineup possible, with an exception of maybe Joe Scally. But I thought DeAndre Yedlin was actually quite good uh, in the game and 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 solid in, in neutralizing the attack from from uh, Mexico for for long periods. I mean, Mexico are going to get their chances, but 
Um, and, and by the way, I don't even think Yedlin's necessarily loved by those guys either. But my, nor, my point nor is, was, is that nor was Zimmerman for a while. Yeah. I mean, it just that was the thing that I really like. There's a couple of accounts that I follow and they're very, very critical. Zimmerman was one because one, the club he plays at two. He's not the you know, we want better footballers. Right. And he's more of a traditional center back that bangs heads, wins balls, you know, kind of game is more simple, which I actually like having one of your center backs like that always. And so. I was thinking about it yesterday and now I'm thinking about it again of like, should I pop back in from the shadows of the internet <laughs> just to knock on the door and ask people a temperature check on, on where things are at? Because poke, things change quickly. You're going to uh, poke with, the bear. You're poking. Yeah. You're looking I don't want to poke, poke the, the, I don't want to poke the bear, Jimmy, <laughs> but I do, I do want there to be some perspective on this, or at least like, I love hard criticism. I don't really like when people come after me and say that I'm part of this like mouthpiece of U.S. soccer and things like that. That that's a little bit different. But like when people come at me and say, "Hey, that's wrong. I think you're wrong. I think Greg Berhalter should do this differently." I love that kind of criticism. I love that kind of debate. But then you have to be willing to give credit when credit's due. Right. And there's been times that we've been critical of Greg and we haven't liked uh, the lineups that he puts out, the constant changes, things like that. But when you do get it right, you you've got to you've got to give the credit. Now we're looking at the second half of World Cup qualifying, and it's a pretty bright. Uh, looking uh, sort of layout for us, right? We've got. We still Jamaica. have. Wait, wait, we still have our two hardest games, though. Yeah, we do have Canada our, uh, and away to Mexico. I'm just throwing that out there as a caveat. You, you, you are right, but at 14 points right now, we've also we've also in the next window in January, we've got U.S. at home against El Salvador, and we got U.S. at home against Honduras. That's six points. I'm not saying it's guaranteed six points, but I see six points in there. And in between, you play Canada away. So if you're looking at that window, the Canada game doesn't have as big of implications. Now, should the U.S. still beat Canada? I think so. Should the U.S. at least compete for a point on the road against Canada in, a, in probably blizzard-like conditions? For sure. I think the U.S. should match up against Canada in the same way that Canada matched up against the U.S. in our, in our first game against them. But those two games, El Salvador and Honduras, give me a, some hope as to how we get points out of these. If we can get even a point against Jamaica, uh, which again, I'm looking at three points. Mm -hmm. It just looks a lot brighter. And then I went and of looked course. at Pan Panama schedule. Who I think are the, the, the ones that we need to compete with the most. Cause I think it's going to be us, Canada and Mexico uh, at the top. They've still got to play um, Costa Rica away. They've got Mexico away. They've got the U S away. And then they've still got, then they got Panama home. Obviously everybody has to play everybody one more time, but it just looks like when I'm them, and maybe I'm looking at it through a different lens of, of, of hope or a glass half full. It just seems like a harder road for them over the next seven games in terms of who their home and away games are. But I, I'm, I'm happy where we're at right now. What, what, what's your temperature check where at well, the halfway point? Yeah, no, and I, I appreciate the setup there. Let me just run at the standings. Uh, USA 14 on top due to goal difference plus seven there. Uh, Mexico on 14 points as well. Their goal difference is five. Canada hanging around, only undefeated team. So far through the first seven games, shout out to the Canadians on 13 points. Panama, big, big win against Honduras, down 2-0 with 15 minutes left to go or 16 minutes left to go, and they scored three goals. Honduras absolutely shooting themselves in the foot every single time they step on the field. But Panama doesn't care. 11 points for them. Costa Rica, six. Jamaica, six. El Salvador, six. Honduras, three. Now, Panama hosts El Salvador, so I want these standings to stay up so you can see it. When you look at the matches here, Panama plays El Salvador. If Panama can win that, we've really created, I think, a who's who of who's going to be probably the top four and who's not. El Salvador, though, pretty solid team. And, and a shout-out to Hugo Perez, their manager, former U.S. men's national team player, for getting them in a spot where they're competitive. So I don't think that's a slam dunk by any stretch of the imagination. And El Salvador obviously have their backs against the wall. We go to Kingston to play Jamaica. 
Costa Rica is hosting Honduras. Big opportunity for them to get all three points against a team that's reeling. And Canada is hosting Mexico. That's going to be a dicey one as well for both teams. There's a lot at stake in both of those, but I, I could see a draw there. We don't need. We can talk about. We're going to preview those games in, yeah. in a little bit. But but I just wanted to throw that out there. And, and I think Honduras could have done everybody a big solid if they had beaten Panama. Oh that would have kept gosh. Panama at eight. And if 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 Honduras could have seen that out with 20 minutes left to go, and they're holding a high line and all these kinds of stuff with like 20, it, unbelievable, unbelievably bad defending. If you want to go have a good laugh at uh, what not to do with 15 minutes left in a World Cup qualifier when you're up two zero, go watch that video. But yeah, that, that could have changed everything. Panama would have been on eight. Honduras would have been on six. Everybody, fifth, sixth, and seventh, and eighth all would have been on six, and Panama would have been on eight. That would have really been popping off. This is a big window now and a big game for Panama to do, get the business done against El Salvador. And if they can, it really separates everybody. But with my regard to, with regard to my temperature Do you want that, US, by the way? Do you want that? Do you want that? Sep- I, like, you want I separation, do, do. but do you yeah, want it? I mean, do you want a four-team separation? Because to, 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 to sort of play devil's advocate there, yeah, sure. had, Panama, had Panama lost in the way that I think going down 2-0, you should lose. All credit to them for coming back. But then you looked at Jamaica was up uh, 1-0 against El, uh, El Salvador. El Salvador dominated that game, by the way. Um, but when you, look at, when you look at that, that would have dropped them at at least, even if they got a point out of that, you know, now you're starting to separate three from from five teams or whatever it is. Right, um, right. And that's where you can start to have your gap where you can run away. Now, four teams starts to become a little bit more of a competition where you eventually want that fourth team to drop off, whoever that might be. But it, it, ling- it makes that sort of qualification run uh, yeah. a little more tense. That's fair. That's fair. I, I, I don't think Panama, as you mentioned, they have a lot of r- r- tough games, but they need this one. And, mm-hmm. and having that separation of four, I think, is important. Uh, and and we're going to play Panama in the last qualifying window at home, and that'll be a big one, I think, to determine. I, I think we'll be fine ultimately up to that point. I think with our remaining seven games, we need 11 to 14 points, kind of to mirror what we just did to qualify for the World Cup, and that's what our focus should be. This has got a tough one in Jamaica. We're going to preview that in a second. But with regard to overall, we're averaging two points a game. I think you've come on here and said, what, we need like 1.6? One and a half. One yeah. and a half, 1.6 yeah. to, to, to get in. So <clears throat> I would say right now, and, and to get back to the constructive criticizers, somebody asked me well or said in, in the comment when this conversations I've been having uh, on Twitter, welcome to U.S. Men's National Team. Twitter. Don't call them conversations, Jimmy. You can't have conversations on Twitter. There's no such thing okay, as a conversation all right, all right. on Twitter. Okay, uh, the, the hot take. Yeah, there's hot take. Just little, I, little shots back and forth. You can well, have. for me, I, I and, and maybe this is revealing too much about my my methodology, but I try to kill pe- people with kindness. I try to like, I, okay, I understand you're 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 upset. Oh, you want you want somebody over, by the way, in that and a kill. And you, generally, you do, Jimmy. You and I have been doing the internet for a yeah, long time, like, especially in the digital space. Go back to our old YouTube videos, Jimmy, when you and I first started, and there is a lot of attacks. And when you realize that some people just want to be engaged or have a conversation, and if you engage them in the right way. They tend to become fans. They tend to become at least uh, respectful of, oh, yeah, like of a, you as like, a person. Like, it's like normal you, yeah. human beings. You yeah, know? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. You humanize the situation and people tend sure. to go, oh, cool. Never mind, man. Thanks for thanks, thanks for the note. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, <laughs> yeah. I, think, I think in some ways we symbolize the establishment, right? We're yeah. former players and, and why wouldn't we drink the Kool-Aid of U.S. soccer? Dude, if you hear some of our conversations and we talk about, you know, we're, no, we're uh, criticizing just as much. And we oh, try to do a, it here a on the podcast. From Jimmy. Yes, suck at haters. <laughs> uh, I think you mean constructive criticizers. Yes. Well, no. Well, yeah. I don't know. No, that's 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 for a wider audience. The suck at haters. Yeah, yeah, the, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, no, no, yeah. no. That's not directed at anybody like that. But but I think killing people with kindness is is 
is the way to go because then you cut through the anger and what I symbolize. And like, hey, I'm a human being on the other end of this. Let's talk about this constructively. And we get there. Ultimately, I love the passion and enthusiasm and the continued evolution of the fan here in this country. And, and I love that they're, 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 they're appreciating and studying and understanding the nuance and subtleties of the game and little things that Greg can do. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and so him in particular. Now I say Greg, but it's a national team coach because there are plenty of Mexican fans that want Tata Martino as far out of the national team as possible. And that was the, the guy that we wanted instead of Greg. And I was one mm -hmm. of those people. I didn't like the way it was set up when Greg got the job. His brother's, you know, in charge, the third in charge or whatever. Yeah, it didn't feel right. It never it felt right feel, from the very never beginning. Felt right. No, it never felt right. It felt like a lot of nepotism. And, and yes, that doesn't make me feel good about it. But I think at this point, we've gotten to a place where what are we going to, we're not going to fire the guy, nor should we. And, and that would disrupt everything as well. There's no easy fix. So it's just kind of like, I'm going to back the guy through this. And if he qualifies for the world cup, kick ass. Now when you get to the world cup, you better kick ass or you're out. I I'm actually a fan yeah. of just to throw my flag in the ground. I don't think any national team coach should have the job for more than four years. Now I say that knowing I was the beneficiary of Bruce Arena's second stint or when he stayed the second uh, go around for the 2006 world cup. So I benefited from having Bruce, his yeah. his second. Four I got year my thing. first caps in that in that second. Uh, no, right before that second four year, four year win. No, no, yeah. right right at the end of his second four year. Yeah, is when I got my first caps under Bruce. Yeah, so so and and, and I'm a big Bruce fan for a number of reasons. I, I'm extremely yeah. biased because the guy took me to a World Cup. But I would say that that at the same time, I do hold him somewhat accountable for the 2018 World Cup failure. Of course, why wouldn't I? Right? I mean, sit here mm -hmm. like he should have done some different things, and I'm sure he would acknowledge it as well. If he ever wants to address it, which you, I wouldn't at this point, just look forward, Bruce, just keep looking forward. <laughs> so, so I just, I just don't think there should be, I think we should have somebody else. The players just hear, have to hear a different voice. And, and yeah. I think it, that's what keeps it fresh. Anyway, we went off on a big let tangent me, there. Let me, let me ask you go this ahead, though, then uh, for, for this last game, I I've, I've really struggled now because we look at us beating Mexico three times in a summer, completely different teams across the board that we, we, we rolled out for those. I look at, the fact that we beat Mexico in a qualifier at home in a pretty convincing fashion, other than giving up a few chances, which we can analyze, you know, till the cows come home. And we know that those are part of the game. But overall, I'm trying to understand where is this team at? And the thing that I keep resting my or hanging my hat on at the end of it is that this team is way better than they were at the Nations League. They're way more experienced in international football than they were in the Nations League. They've gone through all of these things, good times, bad times, tough times, you know, amazing times. And now we find ourselves in a good position in the table. There's been, we've had a, a nice little piece of humble pie against Panama. We had a nice piece of humble pie in the first half against uh, Honduras, against uh, uh, El Salvador. We've had to learn certain things. So when I look at it and I'm trying to find like, what is the identity of this team? What I get out of that Mexico thing is that they're capable of, yeah, also against Canada, they're capable of, of fighting. They're capable of tapping into it. I think Greg Berhalter, the thing that I've been softer on him over time is his evolution. This team mm -hmm. has evolved. Go back to the very beginning. We wanted to play a Berhalter ball, a Columbus Crew style, defenders high and wide, play through everything, good football, which I would love to do, by the way. But then we've evolved some. We've 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 sort of decided to realize that we've got quality players, and there's going to be other ways in which the game presents itself that we're going to have to have that intelligence to beat that. So when I look at this win against Mexico, and sorry, I I asked you a question, and then I answered it, but I want to get your take on this. I I'm I'm still looking for have we rounded the corner? 
Has this team arrived? Or is this another match in isolation, which we've seen, which I thought most of our World Cup qualifying matches felt like matches in isolation, right? Poor first half, good second half. We get a result, go to the next one. Poor first half, solid second half. And it just doesn't feel, didn't feel like we're, we, the team has arrived at a moment where we know who we are. We know how to go out and get results. And I thought the first half against Mexico was pretty good, uh, other than giving up a few clear-cut chances. Yeah, I thought we were a little sloppy with the ball. And that's was fixed. And that was sorted out. And that was talked about and discussed. And I think the nerves, you know, we settled in a little bit. And I thought in the second half, we were a lot sharper when we could take a breath and be like, all right, cool. Let's just clean up the pets. Because I didn't really feel like it was due to the press uh, of Mexico, per se. It was just... Little passes, even even guys that uncharacteristically were giving up bad passes. Tyler Adams jumps out when he made that bad back pass. Would you say it was uh, a bad half, though? Was it a bad one in your No, book? I didn't think it was a bad half because what I thought was interesting about the half was that we actually still outpossess Mexico 54% to 46%. And you're like, all right, whatever, man, that's 50-50. I'm telling you, that's a big deal because historically, that's very 70-30 when, when uh, Mexico and in the U.S. play against each other. Having been on the field for those, you suffer because they're very mm -hmm. good at keeping the ball and and doing something with it and and we didn't do that in the past i mean there were moments right we'd have 10 maybe five to ten minutes every half where we kind of regained the control of the tempo but more often than not we were reactive we're counterattacking. and and i thought in this game in the first half we were trying to do it but we were just a little sloppy our, our set set pieces brendan aronson's got to whip in a better ball you know and i think he would probably acknowledge he needs to do the same you know, just these little things that got better, markedly better in the second half. Yeah. And what I think I learned from Friday's game in particular was that confidence goes a long way. And when we play on the front foot and we're playing with confidence and, and that other team can sense that and we can sense it as well, we are so much fun to watch. Uh, Honduras second half, it, it felt like that in the second half against Mexico as well. I, all right. Now it's time. And I feel like we picked it up a level, right? Everything got a little bit sharper. We came we were a little bit more purposeful in what we were trying to do. I felt like the first half still felt more, more like hope. I hope this works out. I hope this cross finds Ricardo Pepe in the box. I hope, I hope, I hope. And then in the second half, it was like, you know what? Let's not dick around anymore. Get the mm -hmm. ball, whip it in. Let's commit some more numbers. And I think we're getting on the end of stuff. Yeah. And all of a sudden, we started finishing. You have a phrase that I always forget what it is. But like finishing our chances, finishing finishing the play, right? Finishing yeah. the movement. Not not half-baked ideas. Yeah, like, yeah bringing, bringing attacks to conclusion. I love that. It's such a coaching thing, but I, yeah. but I love it. So, so I thought we did a better job of that in the second half. And when you do bring attacks to conclusion, the next one becomes a little bit like you have the win at your back. And, and Timothy Way in particular, I thought, really <laughs> epitomized that. So, so it was just a – it was a nice – I guess progression throughout the game where we were a little tentative and then we worked to like full confidence and it yeah. could have been, if they gave us another 10 minutes. Yeah. I know Mexico had kind of changed and was getting, you know, we had the red card. So maybe it's a little bit there once we got the red card, but prior to the red card, we could have made it three. We could have made it four. I mean, yeah. they were going to start to open up and we could have punished them for that. Interestingly enough, team away of playing on the right side. And by the way, is he still your man of the match? Cause I, I, I think yeah. I would shift my Stefan nope. to Eunice Musa on, but obviously I thought a few early on in the first half, it kind of eliminated me from that, but unbelievable player. Eunice Musa is, I just continue to like him more and more, but team away playing on the right-hand side, I think was surprising to players on the field as to how direct he was going to be right. Two, mm -hmm. three touches, whip the ball in two, three touches whip the ball in. And if you look at, uh, some of the chances he created on, he does such a good job of taking his first touch directly at a defender, right? Making them now have to square up. And then he goes down the line to take those touches that creates that little bit of space. But now we have to know that when he's on that right-hand side, 
we got to get numbers in the box. Mm-hmm. We can't just have Ricardo Pepe being the only one trying to get on in, into something. And again, when you go back to the Pulisic goal, there's three players in the box, right? You have, you have two players from the U.S. that were a little bit flat-footed, kind of looking for the cutback. And then you had Christian Pulisic cutting to that near post to free himself up. That's what you need if you're going to have a player that's going to be predictable. I don't think we knew. I don't think the players on the field knew that Timothy Weah's goal was to get down to the touchline, whip the ball in consistently. And now that you know that, I think next times we're gonna you can you can kind of hedge your bets or be a little more um, strategic in in throwing numbers in a late runner, a second man in the box, those types of things that again will, will lead to more more goal scoring opportunities as opposed as opposed to when we have. Um, other players on on that wing because I don't think DeAndre Yellen is particularly a great crosser of the ball, uh, or when we have Gio Reyna, players that are more possession based that want to have combination play, or Brendan Aronson who likes to be in the half spaces in those pockets instead mm-hmm. of sitting out on on the touch lines. It's a different dynamic, and now we have to be able to adjust to that dynamic and and be able to play to the strengths of those players around you, right? As opposed to knowing like, oh, the combination play is going to happen inside. I'm going to sit on the top of the box. Yeah, Team Away puts his head down. You know, hey, he's trying to get to the touch line. We got to get numbers in the box. Well, let's, let's talk then about this game in particular, going to Kingston to play Jamaica. This is the only qualifying window of all 14 games where there's only two games in the window. In January, we're going to play three three again, three and eight days, and the same at the end of March, three and eight days. This is the only time for me that I think we can roll out almost the same lineup that we did before. Miles Robinson mm-hmm. is out due to a red card, two yellows. Uh, Weston McKinney, yellow card accumulation. He's out. I thought that was a bit of a, a shaky yellow card that he got. Referee got a lot of big questions of him, and hopefully he gets evaluated properly so he can be better moving forward. I, I wonder what your lineup's going to be, and I guess we can kind of talk about it as we're, we're shaping it through. But but we have this rare opportunity now to roll out a similar team, and, and I want us to take advantage of that because it's harder to do. Up until this particular game, with a, we had the two previous windows. We always went, you know, in the Panama game in particular, we almost changed the whole team. And that lacks that that continuity. I still think that's insane. It's insane, and and we paid for it, right? I think that's very clear that that wasn't the right decision. And to your, let's see if if Greg can continue to evolve. But Jimmy, uh, by the way, when I say that's insane, we got out of some of these messes other than Panama, and we got out of these messes, and you were able to. I think it's thirty three players now that we've we've uh, given games to in qualifying. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Maybe maybe it's more after this last game, but I think it's thirty three. That's a lot of players getting valuable international experience. To be on 14 points after those games, you can look back at it as a learning. Now, if those things went really wrong, then you fire Greg Berhalter. But like, uh, when you look at it, you're like, okay, you're actually bringing the whole team and players forward, which you hedge your bets. Like, that, that is a huge risk, and I, and I don't agree with it whatsoever. But when you look back and know that you got these points out of it, you go, okay, now I've got a few more battle-hardened players, players that have understood the moment and understood the feeling. But sorry, that was a little bit of a side note. But to get to, no. to if you want to get go to ahead. the lineups, uh, you know, I think it's going to be relative as close to the same team as we saw in this one. That would be my guess. Chris Richards comes in uh, for for Miles Robinson. And then uh, I would say Pulisic or Areola starts. And then you're looking at the midfield battle is going to be whether you go with Sebastian Legette, which I don't think he will. I think Sebastian Legette is, is, is a little bit more of a capper on this team now. You know, a little bit more of your final 10 leader knows the moment in time <laughs> he's the boomer on the yeah. team yeah he's the boomer yeah he's the one he, he's the one that uh has to tell the joke at the dinner table before everybody can go back to their rooms uh but i i see sebastian Legette's role diminishing but still of of utmost importance at the moment because he's not going to be, re- be relied upon as a starter i don't think moving forward but in the final 10 minutes when you know a player has the consistency of that he's a little bit more conservative of a guy he understands 
I think he can understand the moment and time to, to grind out results in the final moment. So I'm looking at that third midfielder being Kellen Acosta, which I, I don't love because I don't think him and Tyler Adams are great together. I agree. Or, or Gianluca Busio. And I'm guessing Greg goes with the engine of, of Acosta because this is a game of, I think, counterattacks again. I don't. I would personally, if I'm looking at how you match up against against Jamaica, if you watch Jamaica, most of their games, even this last one uh, against El Salvador, they spend a lot of time deep in their box, and you're going to need people who are really good on the ball to break them down. They're totally comfortable putting seven defensively in a in a deep block and making you have to work around them. I think having balls whipped in from from the sides. I thought uh, uh, El Salvador was good at whipping balls in from from wide areas, and so. When I think offensively, how do you neutralize this team or how do you beat uh, Jamaica away from home? You go a little bit more attacking, somebody who can control the flow of the game with Gianluca Busio in that spot. Do I think Greg Berhalter will do that? No. I think he probably sees it a little bit more as Jamaica having speed in transition, needing somebody that can cover the ground. So taking a more defensive approach where you have maybe Kellen Acosta in that position. And then obviously Ariola or... or um, or uh, Christian Pulisic that you start in this one. A, a reminder for anybody that didn't watch the games, Mikel Antonio only played the final quarter of an hour uh, because they expect him to start against the U.S. And in that quarter of an hour, he scored. And I, uh, when I look absolute at the banger of a goal, yeah, by the way, when I look at the two goal, the, the two big chances Mexico had, right? You put Mikel Antonio in the streak that he's on as a bona fide goal scorer. He's not missing those. You get him in front of the goal. He will, he'll beat one, two, and he'll finish it off when he gets that chance. And that's my worry is cutting out those chances, which is, leads me to believe, sorry, I got a bug flying around in my face right now, which leads me to believe that. It's that, probably that a constructive Greg, criticizer. <laughs> just buzzing around my <laughs> face, just waiting for me to swat. And I'm not going to swat, Jimmy. I'm not going to swat. <laughs> no, uh, cut, cuddle him. Like, yeah. Meet him halfway. Not, Kill him I'm with not, kindness. He 26 players have made the World Cup qualifying debuts in this campaign. Um, and I think there's they've, we've used 33-plus uh, players in this, in this qualifying um, campaign. But, but, but yeah, but I, I guess to wrap up my point and, and, and get your, your, your thoughts on it, uh, those are the changes that I think we'll see. I know I didn't really give my what I – I kind of gave what no, I wanted. Fine, there, it's fine. It's well, a good jumping off point for me to, yeah. to hop in. I don't want us to change much. I, I – I've thought about your thoughts initially after the game against Mexico. We did like a brief preview about whether Christian Pulisic, Pulisic should start or not. I've softened on that. I don't think he should start. I think there's probably been some chatter from his club team going, hey, we don't want to see Especially him now. You don't need it. Yeah, yeah. Right. And we've, we've proven that. So I could see, okay, maybe he gets 35, maybe even gets the second half based on how it's going. But maybe there's been a collective. And this is how the player can get on board as well. So he's not feeling disappointed or left out in the communication. But I could see him, Chelsea, and and the U.S. Soccer Greg, all saying, "Hey, man, you're not starting any of these games. You got yeah. 30 in you, and that's that." And he's like, "All right, that sucks, but at least I know what's coming, and I can prepare for it mentally and emotionally and all that good stuff." So, fine, and then you can come on and be the hero, which is probably pretty awesome anyway. And kind of Mikel Antonio esque, who who I said a banger of a goal. I should rephrase it because it was an individual effort where he bodies somebody at the sideline at near the half halfway line. Mm -hmm. And rolls that guy with his physicality and good first touch. Then he he engages the, the defender that's coming over to cover. And this is where the Mikel Antonio of this season in particular is just another level. I mean, just the quality shifts the, the defender to go off to the wrong foot, creates enough space. Goalkeeper comes rushing out and he just does a little dink into the goal. I'm like, God damn, Mikel Antonio is on mm -hmm. something fierce. Because that's not the Mikel Antonio I remember from three or four years ago who would be kind of rushing it, right, and not lacking a little bit of that class and composure mm -hmm. in those situations. And you're right. And, and this isn't – we do – you're right with regard to us giving up chances. 
we still given up that one or two glorious chance a game. And Canada heard us on it, right? Alfonso Davies made the most of it. Kyle Aaron saw it through. Mexico did not. Uh, El Salvador, if I'm not mistaken, I don't know if they had any clear cut, but I, we can go back to Costa Rica, had that chance, and Brian Ruiz yeah. wasn't fast enough to take advantage of it. <laughs> and, and, and this is, the, I remember this is that the, one. listen, this was the, this is a bad, this is like a rotating, I mean, this is everybody. John Anthony Brooks has been, you know, victimized by this. Miles Robinson, Chris Richards, Walker. I mean, everybody, all of our center backs have been hurt in this way, or back line, let's say, but I'm thinking mostly at the center backs. And if you go back to the Nations League semifinal against Honduras, Albert Felice came, came, he had a chance too that Zach Steffen staved in that mm-hmm. one. That could have changed the whole direction of what we're even talking about. Cause if Greg gets knocked out yeah. there, you know, maybe we're in a different spot, but is that tactical? You think, is that tactical? Well, like, I do is, think we is, play is it, a high line we're pressing too high maybe, all the time. Maybe. And, and we can't, it's hard to keep that up the whole time. And that's where establishing a flow. We talk about it a lot with the ball, but sometimes you can establish a flow and a rhythm without the ball. And you can still be in control of the game without the ball. Yeah. But that really asks a lot of discipline and communication and savvy from from a group of guys. That's hard to do, no matter how good you are, yeah. to get everybody on the same page working together with team shape. So with regard to projected lineup, I, Zeph- uh, Zach Steffen and Gold, maybe his best game ever for the U.S. Yeah, uh, against that's Mexico. A that's a sure. Robinson, Zimmerman, Richards. I think we could see Joe Scally. I don't want to. I think you roll out Yedlin. There's a nice rapport that was built. If you give that back line another 90 minutes, they're only going to get better, in my humble opinion. I don't bring a cost in. You got Tyler Adams. Definitely sitting there. Musa stays in. And then this is where it gets a little tricky. I think that Busio would be the, the player I would go with because he can help you establish that flow. El Salvador in this last game had 60% possession. They look to play, and Jamaica struggles at times. How mm-hmm. they solve a lot of their defensive issues, Jamaica, is just by getting numbers behind. But it yeah. doesn't really mean that they're they're working together always, or at least not collectively. I can see Jamaica pressing very well in ones and twos, but are they doing it? As a group, yeah, there's gaps. The, there's gaps. There's definitely there's clever, gaps. There's clever for a clever player. There's gaps, and just in the and, way the U.S. got beat by Mexico, the cover way. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and but I want, but, yeah, but no, just really quick. Alex Roldan scored a good goal because he made a late run from midfields, mm-hmm. and that's where Weston McKinney is a big loss for us because it's harder to track those late runners, and Weston McKinney's got good timing in that, and he continues to get even better and picking his spots and when to go. And and I, yeah. his future is fantastic with regard to that, and a lot of other areas as well. But Leggett gives us that. We've seen him already score a few goals and some friendlies when they were doing them in he Europe. He scored all the goals at the top of the box. Yeah, just coming in late, right? That that yeah. that cross hard and low, back, back across, not at the near post, but back towards the middle. He has scored those, and I could see Greg thinking – that's where the space is going to be. That's how El Salvador scored. That's how we had a lot of success against Mexico as well in the second half, and we actually tried to focus on it. I could see Legette starting, much to the chagrin of everybody out there, but I could see that rationale that Greg's going to use. And then my front three, I go Pepe, Aronson, and Way at this point. I don't change anything. You bring Pulisic on with 30 minutes left to go, and and even though I prefer Busio, I think we'll see Legette. And I, I wouldn't bring Acosta in. Acosta and Tyler Adams don't play well together. I wouldn't do it. I agree. That's that's my biggest worry for them is they kind of neutralize each other. And I don't think Tyler Adams is the best at building through the midfield. But when you have Musa on there and when you have Weston on there mm-hmm. and they're connected, I think it makes Tyler's job a little more defensive and to get those first passes through. And again, I think Tyler's a fantastic player, but having those two players makes his job a little bit easier because right. he doesn't have to go off the center backs every time 
and then find a, an amazing ball to break through that first line of pressure. He has those guys next to him, and occasionally those guys drop in into those spaces. There was times that I thought that they were a little bit too flat, the three of them coming back too far, right. and, and having that disconnect with the front line and making it hard to play through. But I agree with that. And the thing that I, what, what the reason why I want Busio, and I don't know if we'll get him, I doubt we'll get him, is because he showed a fight. I don't remember what game it was, but it came in at halftime, came back, and it, and it may have been the Gold Cup or something, but he showed this fight and this willingness to scrap that it was going to be more than just being a luxury player, more than being the American Pirlo, where he's really good on the ball, really clean in possession, and then we go down a man defensively because he doesn't have that sort of transitional speed and effort in that defensive fight. I think he's shown that since then and shown a more willingness that he's going to have to get in and play a little bit dirty and I'd love to see that part of his game continue to develop. And the only way you get that, and I know he's doing that, he's being forced to do that at Serie A. You can't be a luxury player in a team that's fighting relegation. Well, maybe not so much at the moment, but are, are going to spend the majority of the season still fighting for every three points has some sort of big implications in the table. So he's one that I think we should trust a little bit more and continue to get that that uh, that that uh, those reps. Okay, so what's your prediction for this game? Let's go Let's go score line and, and maybe tell me without just giving me the score line, how do you think it's going to play out? Are we going to go 0-0 in the first half and then lighten them up in the second half? Do you think we'll be conservative? Think we're going to go out in high press? So what do you think we're going to do and, and how do you think we're going to do it? I think I think we're going to win this one 1-0. I don't Ooh. think Jamaica score. I think it's going to be a close one and a tight one. Jamaica, again, I think the U.S. gives up two, three chances that Zach Steffen has to stand on his head or, or a center back or central midfielder has to do a last-ditch effort, which is part of the job, making plays in those moments where they're half chances and you got to go. We saw Walker Zimmerman go and cut a ball back. Uh, that led to a, t- a chance later on, but he tracked it down, cut off the angle, poke tackled, um, and I think Mexico ended up getting a corner. Anyways, that's not the point. Uh, my, my. Wait, wait, uh, would, you, would you accept a draw here, though? As a, I would. As, ex- a, I, as I, a fan, I, as a fan, listen, would you accept a draw? Because, because really, the, the the blueprint is draw away from home, win, yeah. win at home. Absolutely, I think we have. We probably have an unrealistic expectation of this game right now in terms of beating Mexico at home two 0 I think playing away against anybody in Concacaf is a huge challenge and it's a grind. You know, you're talking about all the conditions we talk about of qualifying in in, in Concacaf from the pitch to the weather to the ref to the uh, everything we know that there's going to be an empty stadium so i think that plays to an advantage for the us uh, in terms of not having that hostile crowd that you can get in jamaica that can be loud and rambunctious so i i i think a draw should be realistic and the only reason i i think the us should win this one but the only reason i'm okay with the draw is because of what we talked about earlier on in the show where the future games the next window right where you're talking about el salvador and honduras at home Canada away. I go, okay, there's more, there's plenty of points in there that we can go and get. Therefore, a draw. Let's not be greedy and give up all three points. But there there will be a few chances if the US has the clever. If we go out conservative, I think with with a lineup, if I'm saying conservative in the sense of Legette or Acosta, I think a draw is on the table. If we have a Busio and have a little bit more of this, hey, let's try to break them down, wear them down, then I think there's better opportunity uh for a goal there. Uh, for for the U.S. at least to score. Now, holding down the fort is going to be different when you're not conservative. So I think there's a little bit of a trade-off that we're looking at here that I'd, I'd like to see. I think the U.S. wins 1-0 on this one um, from from probably subs when we change the the, the dynamic of the game. But I, I'm guessing we roll out a pretty conservative lineup looking at a point from the start. What about yeah, you? Yeah, I'm leaning. I'm leaning. My head and my heart want to say 1-0. Jamaica only have five goals in their seven games. Just struggling to really 
build anything of consequence and 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 really you know creating opportunities i thought in honduras was probably their best performance at second half in particular i was like god damn these jamaicans are crushing it right now <laughs> but but then you got to take into uh, into account that honduran defense has been absolutely shocking giving up 13 goals so far in seven games almost two goals a game so when i look at jamaica outside of some moments of individual brilliance which they have and we have to do a very good job of stacking up their players and, and making it hard for them and and not allowing them to do what they want to do. Obviously, Captain, obvious statements here. But I, I, my fear with Jamaica, even though there'll be no fans there, which I do think is is sad. I, I, uh, I just, I, I just wish that everybody had their fans there, especially in World Cup qualifying. I think that's what makes the whole thing so special. But different mm-hmm. conversation. Jamaica's got their back against the wall. They're at that that really pivoted, pivotal moment. If if we're actually going to make a run for it and try to catch Panama or fourth or whoever we're going to catch in fourth. We have to win this game. And, and that type of desperation makes me a little bit nervous because we don't necessarily have that same type of desperation. We have the emo- somewhat, potentially, an emotional letdown after beating Mexico the way that we did. And if we can survive, right, there's one or two chances that I think we know Jamaica's going to get, then, okay, maybe we we eke out a draw and, and uh, call it like, okay, fine. We're good, dude. 15 points yeah. after eight games. We're, we're going to be we're gonna be good. We got some big home games later on. We should be able to take care of business. But that makes me a little bit nervous because it's less about the tactics. It's less about the lineups. It's more about that that desire of, of desperation that it's hard to replicate when you're the one that's kind of not necessarily cruising, but you're on yeah. top of the table. So that makes me a little bit nervous. So I, I'll say 1-0. I love yeah. all, all the rationale that you're saying, and I want that to happen. And I think we have the team that can do it. But I just think that desperation is the X factor there. So we'll have to wait and see. All right, everybody, we're going to take a quick break. But when we return, we're going to announce our big winner that we were teasing after the game U.S. versus Mexico. We'll give you more information if you have no idea what I'm talking about. And, of course, we're going to preview all the other games in World Cup qualifying in CONCACAF here on Match Day 8. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Did you know that while over 60% of Americans dream of starting their own business, less than 20% of them take the first step? The reason? Building a business is tough. Taylor Brands is simplifying the business journey. From launching and managing to growing your business, Taylor Brands isn't just another tool. It's your online business partner from launch to success. With Taylor Brands, building your dream business becomes an effortless experience. Their comprehensive platform guides you through every step, ensuring you have everything you need in one place. From LLC formation to bookkeeping, invoicing to acquiring licenses and permits, and even setting up your bank account, Taylor Brands handles it all seamlessly. And our listeners will receive 35% off Taylor Brands LLC formation plans using our link, taylorbrands.com slash CBS Sports. That's T-A-I-L-O-R-B-R-A-N-D-S dot com slash CBS Sports. So start your business journey today with Taylor Brands. All right, everybody, welcome back. Now, before we get into Tuesday's other three fixtures, Let's quickly announce the winner of Friday's Paramount Plus subscription giveaway. And for those, again, who don't know what the hell I'm talking about, it, it was to celebrate the U.S. men's national team's 10th dos acero over Mexico during our live recap of the game. 
We asked viewers to like the video and drop their handles in the chat for a chance to win a $100 subscription for Paramount Plus, which let me tell you is an amazing prize for anyone who watches the beautiful game, especially on Paramount. You got World Cup qualifiers, you got Champions League, Europa League, Serie A, NWSL, who are in the semifinals of their playoffs this weekend, and a whole bunch of other elite elite competitions, including the Scottish Premiership and Braziliero and Brazil and Argentina. It's awesome. Not to mention movies, shows, and other sports. And a lot of you entered, but the in a draw, as you know, Heath, there can only be one lucky winner. And that winner is not you, Heath. It is Scott Martin at Coach Scott Copy. You are the big winner, my friend. Congratulations on winning the fantastic prize. And you should be very proud. Your family should be proud of you. Congratulations. So our producer, Des, will DM you with the details on how to redeem this fabulous prize. You get the best of the best from Paramount Plus all year long. And even more because $100 pays for more than just a year. You know what I'm talking about, Heath? All right, let's get into Canada versus Mexico. And first and foremost, we want to give a shout out uh, and an apology. We want to issue an apology to John Herdman. We've been calling him John Herdsman, I think, for the whole World Cup qualifying. I yeah. just added an S. When I saw that, when I saw that, when I saw that in the in in the run of show in all red, I was like, oh yeah, guilty as charged. Guilty as charged. Yeah. So we want to raise our hands and accept responsibility. We've been adding an S because we just think he's been managing so well. We thought there were two of him, right? <laughs> we we pluralized. It's we superb. pluralized John Herdsman. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's actually John Herdman. Okay. So fair play to him. Arguably the best manager so far. In this that's not true, Jimmy. That's not who you said was your best 11 manager. So you don't get I to did. have Thomas him. Christensen. I'm a big fan of Panama. Yeah, and that's proven yeah. to be true as well. I mean, it's just doing it in dramatic fashion. I like Thomas Christensen, but John Herdman has been, I mean, yeah, they're, they're I, I, went with her, I think I went with Herdman and called him John Herdsman when I you get did, when I'm on did, my CONCACAF 11. I apologize to that because, uh, you know, a, a manager of that level that's been, been doing this, uh, this quality of a job for his national team deserves to have his name pronounced correctly by us who talk about this literally every single day. So we apologize for that. Jimmy, yes. Jimmy put the S in there and we just, I did. Him. I guess yeah. just, he's the, been like, he's everywhere. He's everywhere. The S is for super. Heard Superman is what we wanted to say. All right. So let's talk about Canada, Mexico, Canada coming off a one zero results in their game. And obviously Mexico lost to us two zero. It's going to be in Edmonton again. It's going to be sold out. It's going to be cold. Who do you think has the advantage in this one? And how badly does Mexico need something out of this? Especially because Canada went down to Estadio Azteca and got a 1-1 result earlier in the qualifying campaign. I think, oh man, this is such an incredible matchup. And one that I'm really excited about. Because regardless, someone's dropping points here. Uh, and you know, you when, you when you're Canada and you're watching the U.S. play Mexico, Jimmy, we talked about U.S. versus Mexico Neither of that game's not going to cost either of those teams World Cup qualifying, right? And now, <laughs> but when you're Canada, you're like, oh, yeah, for them it doesn't, but for us, it means something. And so when you're the U.S. looking at Canada playing Mexico, you, you think the same thing. This means something for our qualifying because points get dropped in this one uh, for one of the teams. But from a matchup standpoint, I think it's, it's, uh, I'm trying to think who has the advantage here. You got Canada who are home, who are very good. You've got probably, what I think is the most informed attack in 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 Concacaf right now in terms of the quality of players we saw we saw uh, Alfonso Davies playing up top with Jonathan David and putting Kyle Laren uh, onto the bench. By the way, they have uh, Ugbo who just made his debut in this game. They're so deep in the attack that I think they're always a threat, especially at home. They're going to be more comfortable with that crowd and that uh, climate. I certainly like their chances, but then I'm like. Yeah, but Mexico are up against the ropes. They just got beat by the U.S. in another Dosa Cero in a qualifier. That's humiliating. 
And I've never seen Mexico not rebound from adversity, right? They've, they've, th these guys are, are, are pressure tested always. They're always under immense amount of expectations and pressure. So I see them bouncing back. This is going to be a close one, but I, I, I want to think that, that Canada has the advantage here. I just, it's hard to think that Mexico, again, just like against the U.S., aren't going to create their chances. They're going to get a couple of their chances. Uh, so I'm kind of sitting on the fence in a weird way. This is this is a game that I, I can't wait to watch and see what what lineups get rolled out. But if I go player for player, I still think Mexico uh, have more depth and experience than I think Canada do. But Canada have tapped into something different, and then their attack is phenomenal. Yeah, I just want to say that all of these games are on Paramount Plus. Every single World Cup qualifier is on Paramount Plus for this match day eight. So it's very exciting. What I also like is that the U.S. play very early. I think it kicks off at 2 p.m. Pacific time, 5 p.m. Eastern. And then you have Canada, Mexico kicking off at 6 p.m. Mm -hmm. So you can, you can actually get to stagger and watch some of these games. And that pumps me up. Right. Now, with regard to this, when I think back at the, the time they played in Mexico, Alfonso Davies was playing very high. And, and he didn't start there. They, they played a, it looks like a 4-2-3-1, and, and Alfonso Davies was out on the wing. But as the game progressed, they put him higher and higher up the field to, to really put a ton of pressure on that Mexican back line because that Mexican back line, not very fast. And when you have somebody that can stretch the lines, can get in behind with a well-timed run, they had to be honest. And that meant that that stretched that midfield a little bit. And what we saw against the U.S. in particular Mexico doesn't necessarily have the horses to cover the ground in the same way, especially if you're going to put Edson Alvarez in a single pivot in front of that back four. He can't cover all that ground. And the other guys just aren't workhorses enough or just don't have the legs anymore. I'm looking at Hector Herrera. He'll do it for a while. But if you can get him stretched out and you get him out defending on the sidelines, it creates so much space in the middle of the field. And I think Canada is now good enough to exploit that. So I could see Alfonso Davies staying up high in this one again and enforcing that back line, pinning them back a little bit and actually sitting between the right, the right back and the, the right center back because then that doesn't allow Mexico to create those numerical advantages that they like to create to, when they try to move up the field. I like Canada in this, and I think Canada's a tough matchup for Mexico in a lot of different ways. Mexico, I think, is going to come out and be conservative. I think, I think their tail's between their legs a little bit. I don't think they can have that same bravado. Their, their front three, their heralded front three, got pocketed by a couple MLS center backs, and let me tell you, that makes me super pumped up. Way to go, boys. Zimmerman and Miles, I'm looking at you. But Yedlin and Anthony Robinson, obviously, very good as well. So I like Canada in this one. I could see Mexico playing for a tie and trying to be very thoughtful in how they're going to attack and win so they don't get stretched out because I think on the counter, it's where Canada could really hurt you. It's a, this is a great game for, in, in terms of two managers, one who has a ton more experience, I think, than John Herdman, but but is now in crisis mode. And then you have John Herdman, who's like, I could do no wrong, baby. Like, I could be president of Canada at this point. That's how well everything's going. I like Canada to probably squeak it out. This is going to be an interesting game. Ooh, I do. I like Canada. I'm going to lose losses I'm, in a row. That, I mean, you're talking drops, about some jumps on the line, maybe. We're talking Mexico dropping to third after this qualifying window, after not losing any games. So it's going to be it's going to be a one to watch. Again, it's on Paramount+. Plus. Let's move to Costa Rica versus Honduras. Kind of battle of the bottom, you know, Costa Rica loses in Canada. Keeler Navas wasn't in. It was a goalkeeper error that led to the goal. Costa Rica is going to fight. They're going to battle. They're going to scratch. They're going to do whatever they can to stay alive in this. They have to beat Honduras at home. Otherwise, it's over. Honduras is in the mud, in my humble opinion. What do you think? Yeah, I agree. Uh, Costa Rica are, are, what, one win in their last five right now. You know, when I when I look at this, this Costa Rica side, losing two in a row, 
um, going into this game. They just they're just old, you know. They they don't, and I I don't want to stereotype this old to use it as this crutch or excuse. They just don't have that youthful energy that you know that you have game changers that can come on that can have that spark off the bench or even be starters that next generation. And you know, every 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 so often we see uh, these people go through these cycles. Um, where you you have to rebuild all these things and and you have to have that next generation again. We saw and this is a, not a, a take for another time. We can talk about it another time. The best of Concacaf Central American countries was when there was mechanisms that were helping to develop those players in Major League Soccer, which is uh, outside of behind Mexico a better developmental league than the domestic leagues. When the, those players were getting key minutes, and some of them are still playing, you know, the three, four players of Costa Rica playing in, in MLS. We saw the growth of Honduras. We saw the growth of Panama. We saw the growth of Costa Rica. A number of these players playing mostly abroad, uh, domestically, uh, not domestically. And so that we don't, that they don't have right now in terms of that youth, that next generation of player coming through. Maybe they do at clubs I'm not not aware of, but this is, this is one where, uh, you know, Costa Rica have to win at home. Honduras, we've seen. And by the way, for anybody complaining about the U.S. Uh, being a second half team, it's better to be a second half team than be a first half team. Let Honduras explain to you what it's like <laughs> to come out flying in games uh, only to just literally, you know, crap the bed for the final quarter of an hour and a second half of a match and now find themselves with probably more good matches than bad matches in terms of minutes played, but at the very bottom of World Cup qualifying because they didn't know how to manage those minutes or know how to manage uh, results. But yeah, Costa Rica have to win this one if they want have any to. chance of of, of staying alive. Uh, I, I still think that they're kind of out of it, you know, but a, a swing there. If Panama were to lose against El Salvador, it could put them uh, right back into a, a contention for a fourth spot. You know, fourth spot is still, the fourth spot's a playoff spot, right? right so that's there's, still, that's there's still, there's still, a lot of implications for the teams on six points to be able to just inch closer. You've got, you're only at the halfway point. There's plenty of points out there. So if you can, but these are my, my, my I guess my point is these are the kinds of games you have to win. If you want to be even talking yeah. about the fourth spot. Well, that's the thing. I mean, if you can't beat Honduras at home, given how Honduras has been playing, you don't deserve to go to a world cup. I, I think that's the best way to, to sum it up. And I'll say the same thing about Panama. Panama's got El Salvador at home. This is the last game uh, of this window. They need to win. They're on 11 points. They, they, are in a good spot to really solidify their position in qualifying. Is that automatic? Is it the fourth? I don't know, but they're starting to become a who's who and a who's not. And they need to win this one at home. And, and they've put themselves in a very good position to do so. They were down 2-0 in Honduras with 15 minutes left to go, and they won 3-2. Now, that says a lot more, I think, about Honduras than it does about Panama, but they created their own luck. And Maynard Figueroa, the captain for Honduras, 38-year-old, makes a bad mistake, which allows Panama to get that sense of belief in the 77th minute. And Rolando Blackman comes in and scores and toe pokes it in because there's a miscommunication between the most experienced defender in CONCACAF and the goalkeeper. And he allows Blackman to come in and just and toe poke it in. And that changes everything. Panama gets that momentum and, and Honduras just completely capitulates. And, and now, now they're struggling. But very, very surprising play for Manor Figueroa in particular so when you think about what Panama can do and the fact that they didn't give up, even with 15 minutes left, down 2-0 in San Pedro Sula, feeling under the gun and, and not really creating too many opportunities, they get something out of nothing, and then they parlay that into three goals. And that's where I think Panama has that talent. Now, El Salvador, I said before, really impressed with how they've been approaching this. They're on six points. They need something here. They could do everybody a big solid, including Jamaica and everybody else, if they could get something 
off of Panama. They don't necessarily have to win the game, but even if they can eke out a draw, that makes a big difference and it makes it harder for Panama, who, as you mentioned before, have some tough games. I think Panama are going to do the business here. I think Costa Rica are going to do the business here because they have to do the business here. You can't mess around anymore. We're getting to that point in qualifying where this is going to really dictate how you approach everything else. And this is the last game for two months before our next thing. And they have a lot of time to think about how their fate is going to be determined in two months. And, and you want to go out on a high note. And that, that includes Jamaica, U.S., Mexico. It includes everybody. Imagine if you're Tata Martino and you lose to Canada. You've lost two back-to-back games. You're in third. He now has to sit there and just eat crow from all these, these yeah. journalists from his that country, crushing him. For the next two months, that guy in particular probably needs some type of result. And so do a lot of these managers because that two months is a long time to sit there and hear about how you suck as, as, as the guy in charge. Well, you got, you know, Christmas in there and New Year's. <laughs> yeah, you could enjoy sure, everybody's got a few days off that, Yeah, uh, But I, I agree with you. I think there – but my gut's telling me there's going to be a draw between El Salvador and Panama. Oddly, interesting. early on in qualifying, I thought the team that was most hard done was Honduras until they played the U.S., right? I was like, ah, oh, man, they could have beat Canada – there was points out there for them. They they're leaving stuff on the table. They're they're you know they're getting they're getting these these non results. And then the U.S. sort of just sent them into this sort of downward spiral that they've been on since then, uh, and still seeing flashes. Now I think the team that's the most hard done. When you look at the way that El Salvador played against Jamaica, even they dominated the match. They were there was a sequence where they hit the crossbar twice uh, in the same yeah, play yeah, where they hit yeah, the crossbar, yeah. comes back out, they hit the crossbar again. There was a, a a number of saves that needed to be made for for Jamaica to stay in that one, and then only to be robbed to have to come back in the closing moments just to get your draw. I think is they've been they've been sort of hard done, and and eventually, I guess the point I'm trying to make, eventually they're going to round the corner on that. It can't be every single game that they find themselves. Oh, we played well, but you know we're not scoring enough goals to win games, or we have to now come back just to get a point. Eventually, they're going to have that moment where they. Uh, round that corner and i think this is one where they can at least get a point or show up for something even more maybe i'm just putting a little bit of that into the uh, ethos because of they're playing panama but i think this could be the one where el salvador finally get the points that i think they've been deserving of at other points in qualifying but haven't gotten them yeah it's gonna be it's a great this is a great match day every single game is big and so again make sure you check it out on paramount plus and speaking about paramount plus and our schedule in particular how's that for a segue heath pierce great let's take a look at this upcoming week not only do you get the good stuff here with our preview, you have the U.S. Men's National Team Hour going live every week to talk about the U.S. Men's National Team. Think about it as a digital tailgate before the big game or mm -hmm. just to get caught up on all the news that maybe you've missed out on. That's happening on Monday, 4.15 p.m. Eastern time. And then we'll do a live recap. You'll hear it, of course, on podcast form. But if you want to be a part of it immediately and, and really join in with us on the raw emotion, come find us right after the game on YouTube. Uh, that'll be happening Tuesday, 8 p.m.-esque, okay, Eastern time. And then we have uh, November World Cup qualifying takeaways live. We're going to go again live on YouTube on Wednesday, 5 p.m. Eastern to really break down everything that we saw. That should be a lot of fun. And then Friday, we got our weekend preview and betting tips. You'll find that on podcast form. And then we'll have our weekend recap live on Sunday, 4 p.m. Eastern. It is all popping off. We deliver the goods here. So if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, do us a solid and leave us Kago Lasso a rating and a review. It only takes a few seconds. It helps us to continue to make free episodes just like this. And of course, if you head over to YouTube, hit that subscribe button when you're leaving comments, hit that like button. Again, it allows us to uh, get bigger and better and allow 
us to give even more giveaways. The bigger we are, the more giveaways. Can I just say it like that? That's the bait, everybody, mm-hmm. uh, that we want you guys to be involved and we want to take care of our community. We appreciate uh, all the enthusiasm and passion we've gotten so far. Heath Pierce, thank you so much for doing the show. You're an absolute legend. And I hope that 1-0 result for the U.S. over Jamaica comes true. Thank you. I thought you were going to come in a little bit yeah, quicker. See everybody. I, mean, yeah, yeah, I don't know what to say. <laughs> hey, hey, wait, wait. Be, be, before Jess says it off, Jimmy, I want to talk about something tomorrow on, on the USMNT hour, which we'll get to. We're going to check out right now. But I want to talk about Chicharito and your thoughts on Ooh. him and El Tree. Is there, you know, is there, is there a little something, something there? Maybe well, there will be, but I'm going to save it tomorrow. Yeah. So I, I appreciate you bringing up Chicharito because he does not seem happy. Okay. Later, everybody. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.